You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guests, John Globe and Troy Good from Lenetics. Today's freight market relies on CRM software to keep their supply chain operations organized and working efficiently. However, there have typically been two options to work with, either a one-size-fits-all solution that requires heavy customization or a cobbled-together suite of software spreadsheets and email. John Globe and Troy Good of Lenetics joins us to explain how they're rethinking CRM and logistics for the freight market. Joining me today on the Inbound Logistics Podcast is John Globe, President and Founder of Lenetics, and Troy Good, Chief Technology Officer. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk with the Inbound Logistics Podcast. Thank you so much, Jeff, for having us. This is John Globe. It's a pleasure to be here and spend a few minutes with you. Good afternoon, Jeff. Great to, great to meet and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, by way of background, maybe just a little uh, quick introduction. Troy and I uh, started Lenetics about five years ago. Uh, Lenetics is exclusively focused as a software developer on the logistics and transportation vertical and uh, both having worked in Silicon Valley in the CRM space for a number of years. So it's really a pleasure to spend a few minutes with you. For our audience, can we get a little bit more information about each of you guys? Uh, John, let's start with you. What is your background? How did you get involved in the industry? And what led you to form Lenetics? Yeah, it's a really good point. I've actually been working in the CRM space since the mid-90s. It's hard to believe, but we actually called them customer information systems before the CRM market was really invented. Uh, When I joined in 1994, there were actually just five CRM companies all of which had maybe $45 million in combined revenue. It's quite a bit of a change in the last, what, 24 years, so that now CRM is the largest enterprise software category, billions of dollars in revenue, and perhaps equally disturbing billions of dollars in professional services. And whenever you see that much money spent in customizing an application, you have to scratch your head and say, well, why exactly is that? What's wrong with the fact of these out-of-the-box products that companies are spending millions of dollars in buying, yet they have to be customized so extensively? And if any of your listeners have been to Dreamforce, the big Salesforce user group conference, they know when they walk in that big convention center hall and they see those huge booths by Accenture and Deloitte and E&Y, each of whom spend millions of dollars to exhibit, that there's a little bit of an imbalance between the products that ship out of the box and the customizations that are required to make them work. And I think that disconnect between that amount of customization is what led Troy and me to start Linetics when we realized that there had to be a better way to deliver more functionality to that market of transportation and logistics company that really can't necessarily afford that million dollar consulting engagement from Accenture, but have a lot of very key requirements that can't be met out of using an Oracle or an SAP product out of the box. Great, and Troy, how, what about you? Hi Jeff, yeah, I'm Troy Good. I'm the Chief Technology Officer at Lenetics. So I'm responsible for the product and engineering uh, here. Um, my background, similar to John's, is uh, CRM. Uh, going back a long way in the, in the software space, I led the uh, engineering team at Eloqua, uh, which is, uh, we created the first marketing automation platform, uh, what's now called the, the Oracle Marketing Cloud, where we really focused on taking an old, uh, really established industry where the product uh, was focused around programmers and delivering services to IT. And the big innovation we introduced there was, was really saying, okay, we, how can we empower uh, the, the users and the administrators and the, and the business analysts within the business divisions themselves to uh, own their own destiny? Uh, and we, we did a fantastic job there with that, and we're carrying that forward uh, at Lenetics. You know, when, when John and I first started talking about the opportunity here, I was just blown away by, of course, how large and complex the uh, logistics and transportation market is 
but even more so by just how underserved it is. Uh, we saw logistics and transportation as a, as a leader in, in the technology space in the early 80s and, and even early 90s. And then I feel like uh, I feel like a lot of technology companies just don't understand the space and uh, didn't continue to service uh, the space the way the way they did uh, at the time. You know, we see uh, logistics and transportation divisions being bundled underneath the travel division, uh, which just doesn't make sense. So we knew that there was an opportunity here to really build something powerful and unique for uh, this specific vertical. That's actually a really good point, Troy. Remember that last conference we went to a few months ago where one of the top speakers came in to deliver the keynote and he started talking about Marriott hotels and American Airlines in the keynote at a 3PL conference. Right. I mean, yeah, I get it that we all have to travel and many of us stay in Marriott's and many of us fly on major commercial airlines. But that had absolutely nothing to do with the issues around the driver shortage, around uh, issues with organized labor, for example, and, and other issues. Again, I, I think Silicon Valley has done a great job in, in providing some incredibly powerful platforms um, in servicing some exciting new verticals. Like when we think about banking and how differently we bank now than we did 20 years ago. But wow, when it came to transportation and logistics, they've really fallen short. And I think that's an area that Troy and I realized, you know what, we could really make a big impact if we took the same passion and vision for transforming an industry, but really focused on making the existing companies successful, right? Uh, you know, there's so much money around these days in, in venture capital that are always trying to find the next shiny object or the next Uber of, of you fill in the blank, right? How many... <laughs> How many Ubers of trucking were there last count, Troy? More than a dozen, I believe. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was like over thirty in the last wow. count, right? So, 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 you know, Silicon Valley loves the dream, right? But the reality is, when you're dealing with an industry that's been around for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, you really need to think about improving it, as opposed to creating some new model of disruption and keeping your fingers crossed that you're going to be able to overturn things overnight. Mm. Well, let's let's play off of that with the Uber of trucking. There's a lot of talk coming out of the valley these days about uh, the Uber of trucking disrupting traditional businesses uh, and companies like Flexport raising millions. Uh, how does Lenetics fit into all of that? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And, and I would look to the, uh, the, the keynote speech at uh, the TPM conference, the Trans-Pacific Maritime Conference in Long Beach last March, um, where the CEO, Yakin uh, Duis of uh, D.B. Shanker, basically laid it out really well. He said there's effectively a land grab underway between how soon and how quickly the established logistics companies can learn digital technology versus the digital technology providers learning logistics. And so I think on our side, we looked at the history of this industry. We looked at the legacy and the patterns, the importance of human relationships and that magical ability of people to pull together to deliver an amazing service and realize, you know what, that's not gonna go away. It's gonna change, right? And technology has a way of changing in the same way we bank and shop and so forth. But you know what, it's not gonna go away. So we'd rather focus at Linetics and selling picks during the gold rush and helping enable the existing players, the existing 3PLs and transportation firms than having any shot of disrupting it. We've seen literally so many fads of disruptions of 20 something college graduates going into a new industry they know nothing about and it usually ends up being a colossal waste of money. Right. That's, that's right. And I think, John, you, you brought up uh, the banking and finance sector earlier. And I think that when we look at something like that, that's, that's an industry really ripe for, for disruption. It's a purely digital, it's an information economy, right? Whereas when we look at logistics, when we look at transportation, they're inherently physical. There's no way to remove the physical component of that. So, so in my mind, uh, digital strategies really should be uh, being a value add to those existing physical processes 
uh, we're, we're not going to remove those or replace those. That's, that's the whole point. And, and I think just to, to build on that too, Troy, one of the areas to think about, right, is there's, you know, all these startups popping up right now. I was um, recently at the uh, I for Transport conference and there were companies that had raised $10 million and I, I scratched my head and watched these people at their booth and I had no idea what they did, right? <laughs> and, and I know a lot of people see that when they get emails about blockchain you again, mm-hmm. right? It's just a lot of buzzwords out there. So I thought one of the areas that might be of interest to a lot of the listeners today is to try to understand very crisply by asking five key questions that help identify is a technology like Linetics, which is very much enabling the industry, different from a disruptor. And we believe that our mission at Linetics is to work within the existing industry model, right? We wanna be partners with the trucking and freight brokerage and freight forwarders, right? We wanna offer applications and data and services. We're gonna build out a whole suite of products that effectively can transform every function within a logistics company. We're gonna make a huge effort to bring together an advisory board with people like Lynn Fritz that invented the modern freight forwarding industry. Uh, People like Art Mesher who created Descartes. People like Dave Beetson who have done amazing things in the air cargo space. And then ultimately over time, earn the right, earn the business over very much a slow, steady pace to create and maintain high margins in our business. And that's very different from disruptors, right? Disruptors try to create this whole aura of fear. They try to create their own marketplaces. They try to undercut margins. They try to take over those direct relationships. And many of them hold out promise that at some point they're gonna reach a tipping point, but at some point, you know what, that may happen in the consumer space like an Uber, but does it happen in the business space? Very rarely. So again, our focus, let's enable the existing business. Let's work within the frameworks of the existing industries and help them uh, reach more digital uh, capabilities faster than these digital companies can learn logistics. So if the focus is around CRM, isn't that a software niche that's been around for a couple of decades? Yeah, you know what, you're absolutely right. As I mentioned, CRM really got its start in the early 90s, um, in the days of uh, of uh, software moving off the mainframe to client-server databases like Oracle, Sybase. And as I mentioned, started working in that market roughly around then. And, and Troy and I very quickly realized that there were very key requirements tied to CRM that made it different than other spaces. And I think, Troy, your vision and experience help align that strategy to, to really recognize what the unique needs were within CRM for the specific market. Sure, you know, when, when we think about traditional CRM, uh, we think about software that got its start really for product companies, right? So so a, a company like Cisco, that somebody that sells routers, somebody that sells physical devices, you've got pallets of them, uh, the pricing is price times quantity, uh, it's, it's not the service nature or the flexible uh, dynamic pricing nature or the complex solution building nature of the logistics landscape. And so what that means is that there's been a real uh, impediment between uh, what, what the market needs within the logistics uh, sector versus what the software that's being provided of the software sector is. And so what's, what you've seen is that uh, you pull in, you bring in an off-the-shelf uh, CRM, and you might be paying a few hundred thousand dollars for that, and then you're gonna go spend 500 or maybe even a million dollars customizing it. We've already seen this happen in effectively every other industry vertical, right? We look at Viva in the pharmaceutical industry, they had their, their own unique needs. In that case, it was more around regulatory compliance and, uh, and uh, HIPAA and, and uh, their own complex processes. So they don't use an out-of-the-box CRM, they use, uh, they use a specific CRM that, that solves the needs of that industry. Logistics also an incredibly complex industry that needs its own solution. Is that what makes Linetics an attractive option at this point? 
Yeah, without a doubt, right? We, we were fortunate to have a blank slate, right? We didn't have to look at a framework of a CRM like Oracle or Microsoft Dynamics or Sales Cloud and try to configure it into what the market needs. And very quickly early on, we identified three very specific requirements of the logistics and transportation industry that we felt uh, could be solved if we built an architecture and an application and platform just for that area. And so maybe Troy together, we could walk through what those are and have you provide a little bit of the color for the technical audience here. Yep. So, so first is around the data model, right? If you think about a traditional CRM, they're all pretty much the same, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, it's accounts, contacts, and opportunities. And if you use Zoho? Accounts, contacts, and opportunities. I could keep going and say, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're pretty much the same. And I think to your earlier point, if you're selling Cisco routers, that's probably no different than what? Avaya selling conference call units. That's right, that's right. Or uh, Coca-Cola selling pallets of co cans of Coca-Cola. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if you think then, Jeff, about the, the data modeling in logistics, right? Think for a second how many different data records our customers model in Linux. What would you say, Troy? Uh, it can be dozens, right? Uh, even when you think, think about, for example, just opportunities, there's not a single kind of opportunity in the logistics world. Frequently, at the, at the very least, if, if you just really take the, the simplest cut of it, you're looking at uh, transactional spot quote-like opportunities. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have your uh, larger contracted rate opportunities. And in many organizations, there's a spectrum of them. So many of our customers actually have multiple divisions, multiple departments, each of which is specializing in a different kind of product that they sell. Trying to mash all of that data into essentially one kind of record, um, you know, what, what ends up happening is you've got one of two choices and you've got, you've got to make a pretty hard decision. You either say, okay, we're going to drop a lot of this data on the floor and not track it. And instead, we're going to pick one of these to track. Or you can choose to track all of it, but now you're choosing the lowest common denominator. You say, what's true across all of these? And anything that's not true across all of these, we don't track that. It, neither is a good solution. In either case, you're using a lot of valuable data. They say data is the new oil. Uh, you don't want to be throwing it away. And, and But what happens, Troy, though, if, if you have that, say you're a freight forwarder, right, and you're dealing with a variety of different services or even a freight broker just selling truckload and LTL, and you try to create that opportunity and add trade lanes to it, right? I mean, you're trying to create an opportunity that I imagine there's other currencies involved or – uh, tracking OD pairs as a freight broker. How, how does that affect that data model, would you say? The, the data model is just, frankly, too complex to be modeled out of these out-of-the-box terms. They're, they're not meant for that. They're not built for it, right? When you look at um, trade lanes as, as an example, if you look at the OD pairs, there's over a million combinations of OD pairs. Uh, you can't add a million different options to a drop-down, for example. It'll break. It'll never even <laughs> uh, you know, God forbid, having to manage that data. Uh, so so it, it's just... It's not what it's meant for, right? Uh, they're they're meant for uh, having your SKUs that you can select, and no one has millions of SKUs. Uh, or if you do, I can promise you, you don't use an out of the box CRM. And in fact, actually, Jeff, there was a pretty crazy story we heard about one customer, right, that did try to model their trade lanes, but they didn't quite realize that the CRM they bought included a provision in their contract where there were fees based on hitting the underlying database a certain amount of times. So wasn't it so that every time they, they looked up an opportunity by a trade lane, every trade lane was effectively an, an invoicing event? 
So they got right. slammed with some crazy bill at the end of the month? Oh, that's huge. And, and uh, we've seen other examples where they hit what we call governor limits, where uh, where the software just shuts you down. And so you make it you know, a week or two into the month, and all of a sudden you can't make any more API calls and update your database anymore because it, they're just not expecting you to, to use the platform in that way. They've set up safeguards around their own technology and their own infrastructure. Um, they've made estimates on what's a reasonable use of their infrastructure. and. Uh, and logistics pushes the limits. It causes uh, some problems for, for those systems. In California, they call that a rolling blackout. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, this is, a, this is an important point uh, because the software is completely relevant to the industry. But what advice would you give then to commercial leaders when they start thinking about that part of their strategy, the technology section of it? Because you got to bear in mind that a lot of these guys have been in the operating business for many years, but they're probably not as tech savvy as you guys. You know what, that's a really good point. And I think that brings up to the second point in our discussion here about unique requirements of the logistics industry that Linetic solved for. So last few minutes, we talked about the importance of the data model and the variability supporting opportunities of trade lanes and warehouses and tenders. The second point is around teamwork and, and workflows, right? Ways in which groups work together. And I think Troy, I was thinking for a moment there about your Cisco example of a rep in a territory that's calling on an account and checking a price list and providing a forecast. That's a very simple B2B product experience that doesn't sound like it really applies in the case of logistics. That, that's absolutely right. I think you said the key word there, which is price list. If I'm selling routers, right, if I'm selling um, uh, ladders, right, if I'm selling physical goods, uh, I have a price list that, that, that's really based upon the, the manufacturing costs plus margin. Uh, my boss has told me what the um, what the retail price is for the goods I'm selling, and uh, I know what kind of discount I'm allowed to apply to that. And really, I'm only going out and asking for help if uh, if I need to maybe uh, go beyond those those boundaries, right? And I'm asking for approvals. Well, that's not the case in in this industry, right? Um, no rep that I'm aware of is, is able to own their own pricing, right? You're going to a pricing desk. The pricing itself is variable. You don't have just a pricing sheet that can be stay static for, for a year and you go through your sales kickoff and sales training and you memorize that chart and you know it like the back of your hand, right? It's going to change. It's going to change based upon volume. It's going to change based around season, time. Is it a backhaul? There's all sorts of variability built into the, into the, the nature of the business. And so you have to collaborate even just that segment of it right there means all of a sudden you're turning this from a transaction that can be uh, executed by an individual into a team-based cell. You've at the very least you have your sales rep and you have your pricing desk, and that's the bare minimum, right? That's the most transactional aspect of logistics. As you extend out beyond that into contracted rates, as you potentially pull in stakeholders from other departments into more complex supply chain solutions, it gets uh, more and more detailed and more and more variable. Uh, you you have to be collaborating. You have to be pulling everybody into this pursuit. Uh, that's what's going to make you competitive. Uh, it's it's the table stakes for for the industry, and you need to have a platform that that can assist in that process, and not just silo folks into uh, I'm a sales rep and, and only I have access to this data. It doesn't work. And I think Troy, we've seen a rising increase in the number of of leadership roles created in freight brokerage and carriers and freight forwarders. They're really tied to a lot of those six sigma business process methodologies and frameworks. For example, there was just a VP of process management who, who attended a session with us, for example. It, it sure seems like that role is becoming a lot more important as companies look to standardize in those workflows and the ways they work together. Yeah. 
if I'm a sales rep selling Herman Miller chairs, there's no chance I'll accidentally sell that chair for less than it costs to make. <laughs> but in this business, that's a really, that, that can happen. That does happen, right? And that's, <laughs> and that's a huge differentiator, right? That's so important. You have to have process and all of the major players uh, in the space, everybody who's going to win, everybody who's going to do well, they're going to execute well. And part of executing well is having excellent processes. And that's why we see Six Sigma. We see uh, all these built-in processes that you're modeling the right checks and balances throughout. You're first keeping it as lightweight as you can within reason, right? You, It's, it's the minimum responsible amount of process. Uh, and that responsible word there is really key because you have to have those processes in place. You have to have those checks and balances in place or or it's going to impact your gross margins and it's gonna become problematic. So now the question is, how do you support that? Well, you could go the old school route and print out your process that you, you know, identify once uh, with the help of management consultants. You print it out uh, once every five years, you put it into a three ring binder and it sits in this cubicle shelf. Uh, that's one way to do it. You can also hire a team of governance staff who uh, babysit everybody else in the organization. And now you're running a million plus dollars of, of overhead just to uh, just to kind of give people a call every Friday before the sales meeting to make sure that they've actually done their job and followed the right uh, uh, steps. And hopefully they tell you the truth. Uh, or you can use a, a, a tool that has some of these compliance workflows built in to ensure that what you're expecting, you know, inspect what you expect, right? You, how do you do that inspection if you're not tracking the data, you're not tracking that process? And I, and I think that's a, a big differentiator, right? We, we recall one meeting, Troy, I think you're with me, we were in Germany and, uh, and, and the leader was so proud of the mural in his office. And, and for starters, his office was probably beautiful, very large with a large window overlooking a, a nice pasture but there was a large white wall. Do you remember what we both walked in and we saw? The, the big qualification process. Oh, yes, yes. It literally was probably six feet by four feet. It was. Of, of maybe 12 point font flowchart diagrams. That's right, that's right. Of, of their, uh, in that case, I was, believe it was the bid management process. Yes, exactly, exactly. And uh, it was very detailed. And it was interesting because we asked about this. We said, oh, this is wonderful. There was, it was a customer that was uh, rolling out Linetics. And we said, oh, is this, is this the, uh, the process that we're helping you to enable? And they said, yes, but, uh, well, that's a little out of date. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so typical, right? Who's, whose process only changes once every five years? And that, that's not the case. But uh, if you have a six-foot by four-foot printout of your process, well, how often are you going to actually reprint that. Well, and, and, and I think that really, Troy, highlights a point you mentioned earlier, is that dependency on the systems integrators, that dependency on the teams offshore, the Accentures, right, that for so many years have built this tap of capital by, by holding business processes ransom, for lack of a better word, right? Absolutely. So, so that's really number two. If number one was variability of data, number two is all about process workflow and really being clear about the standardization of how the teams work together. And I'd like to add one more thing than the data. I would say that, you know, in terms of advice to software buyers, and even just looking outside of CRM, looking outside of uh, what Linux can potentially do for, for a company in this industry, I would say across the board, the importance of data is paramount. And I don't know that that's as appreciated as it needs to be in this industry today. To continue to, so when we look at that disruptor side of the space, 
the disruptors, I promise you, they're tracking everything. Nothing gets thrown away. Every single data point, that's, it's very easy for them to track, right? Because they're heavily, they're digital first. Every data point that comes in, every single action that any potential customer takes or any current customer takes, it's tracked and mined and, and, and analyzed and action is taken based upon that data. With a traditional company, a, a company that the kind of company that we help uh, try to help enable, that's that does they're not digital first, right? And that's okay, right? No one starts out digital first. But what happens is it, it can become easy to think about only the data that you know that matters today. The the problem is the industry is moving very fast, and when you have these disruptors finding new ways to to analyze this data and take interesting action upon it, if you want to be able to compete with that, you have to be tracking that data. That data can't get lost. Right? You might not even use that data today, although there's an awful lot of that data that's very valuable today and I think is underutilized. Well, if you get there five years from now and realize there's something you wish you had tracked over the past five years because it would have made a meaningful difference to your gross margins, but you didn't track it, there's no way to go back and get it. So track everything, get everything, uh, not just in the, the opportunity management space, not just in the CRM space. Every corner, data is, is storage is cheap now. It's not like the 90s, it's not like the 80s. Store it all, track it all, make sure you've got that data because that's really what's going to make or break businesses in the future. Well, that's great for the commercial leaders. What about the operational leaders, the guys that are grinding it out on the docks or on the bid desks and the uh, the account managers that are preparing for that QBR? Well, I think here the, the, the paradox is those same principles of data and process hold true, but at a micro level, right? And what I mean by that is if you think, for example, some of the issues facing some of the listeners and in, um, in, in freight brokerage and, and even some of the, the carriers themselves, right? There's this, this entire gap in the process in delivery around exception handling and damage awareness, right? Whenever something's gone wrong in the process, right? There's very little structured process workflow for tracking those incidents outside filing a claim. And by the time you file a claim, it's already going and it's expensive and there's a process that's you know, creates a certain level of exposure and vulnerability. So when you think about individuals on the docks dealing with areas like exceptions, you've got the power most people have in their pockets of a, of a digital uh, VAX computer from the late 1980s and early 1990s. The power of an AS400 that I sold starting my career in IBM 30 years ago is the equivalent of an Apple X iPhone today that so many of us have in their pockets, right? So, so to Troy's point, look at where there's those workflow processes, examples, for instance, around uh, exception handling, around damage awareness, right, where you can tap in with applications and software like Linetics to bring the data together in a process that can directly impact the overall profitability inside of a, a domestic freight operation. And I would add uh, on the, from the teamwork angle, uh, you know, we've seen a massive shift in the market in the transportation logistics market over the last decade of the rising importance of the sales organization. And that's something that in many cases is, is new to a business that's been so heavily operational. And I would ask folks from the operational side, especially operational leaders, to not underestimate the, the need for them to be participating and for their staff to be participating in those sales processes and the impact they can have on the business's uh, top and bottom lines by, by making sure to be involved and helping provide guidance and leadership to, to the sales organization. You need to make sure that your, uh, your processes are folding in well and you're working, your teams are working directly with those sales organizations because you have to differentiate, right? And your sales organization has to differentiate and they can't do that without uh, 
the operational organization being hand-in-hand uh, -hand with them the entire way. And, and I think, Jeff, that really brings us to today's announcement, right? There's so much that, that, that we've observed through our partnerships and through these incredible customers that we've had the good fortune of working with today that we're really pleased and proud to announce LX Road Freight, which is really the first CRM solution exclusively focused on asset-owning trucking carriers and freight brokerage firms. Uh, Troy and the engineering team has spent you know, years preparing to build this product and configuration to market, and we're incredibly excited that we can offer smaller companies with as few as five employees the same commercial-grade IT that's used by the Global 2000 companies whose, uh, whose brands are all familiar and knowledgeable to us. So, Troy, you've led this effort. You're obviously super excited about today's announcement. Do you want to walk through for Jeff and some of the others what that entails? Yeah, absolutely, John. I think, you know, to your point, we've spent the last five years, half a decade, enabling the largest providers, the, the ones that are already the most successful, uh, the multinationals. And we're incredibly excited to be able to take that same technology and now offer it affordably to, to the domestic freight market, um, to, to everybody from the, the, the SMB five, five user folks all, all the way up. Uh, you know, we, we look at building a unique solution that's specifically for the domestic freight market. Uh, we look at uh, making sure that all of the things that we've already talked about on this call, things like being able to differentiate the data that you have that you're tracking for not just your transactional opportunities, but being able to track the contractual rate opportunities in the same system and being able to have the teams uh, that are participating in that, whether they're in, within the sales organization or within pricing or, or in the operational side of the business, all be able to work together on that making sure that you're offering bid desk solutions. Excel and Outlook, I'm sorry, it's not it's not good enough, right? Something that's uh, contributing to that much of your, your revenue, right? You need to have systems in place. Anything else that, that represented such a large double-digit percentage of, of a company's revenue would, would never be operated without a system applied to it. And, and by not having a system, right, you're not getting the analytics that you need. And by not getting the analytics that you need, you're not making changes and adjusting your process to be competitive. So, so LX Road Freight, if we take it up a high level, Troy, and look at it then, from day one, right, no professional services, no outside consultants, IT, is IT involved? IT does not need to be involved. You know, we partner well with IT uh, if they, uh, for example, want to enable single sign-on for your application. But no, you've got an out-of-the-box platform that solves all of the core CRM needs within your business. Uh, you just swipe the credit card and you're you're off to the races. Okay, so I get contacts, accounts, opportunities, and leads. Well, that would be you get about a dozen different uh, what we call records, so things that you can track. So when we look at accounts, right? Of course you get accounts. So so of course that that comes. You've got to track your customers. You've got to be able to. Uh, we can integrate, of course, with a customer master if desired, or you can use Linetics as your customer master if you don't have that today. Uh, but we also allow you to track your carriers, right? That's so critically important to drive a freight brokerage, right? Maintaining positive and up-to-date relationships with each of my carriers to make sure that I can rely on them when I uh, make my own contractual commitments to shippers, that those carriers are going to be there when I need them. That's incredibly important and it's so competitive that uh, you can't just rely on that. You've got to uh, not just put people on it, you got to put systems to it as well. Uh, so that's, uh, and then when we look at opportunities, it's not just, hey, here's your opportunity record, but it's here are your spot quotes. Here are your contractual rates. Here are your RFPs. And, and, and I think that, Jeff, is a really interesting highlight, too. I'm glad Troy brought that up, right? That it really seemed like a lot of freight brokerage and asset-owning trucking companies really struggled with that trade-off. It was like either invest in a spot market tool to provide quick, fast quotes 
or invest in a CRM to track the contracted rate. So either way, you had to give something up, right? And so by offering both of those workflow processes in the product, as Troy mentioned, from day one, you get to service both. You don't need to make those tough trade-offs. And then similarly, I think it sounds like then there's also some of the customer loyalty uh, uh, workflows also built in, if I'm not mistaken, too. Absolutely, for account management, making sure that you're retaining those customers, especially for those first critical 90 days, uh, where if you can make it through the first 90 days with a customer and uh, as a as a brokerage or even as a carrier, you've got a customer for a year plus, right? So you have to make sure that you're um, executing on every single one deal to a, to a predefined plan of customer success. So again, all out of the box from day one, no outside consultants, no IT. That's right. And uh, and for the business user with as few as five employees. Absolutely. Pretty exciting. Sounds expensive. <laughs> <laughs> How about but wait, there's more. <laughs> No, John, we're, we're, we're priced very competitively. We're at $75 per user per month, which is well under what you would pay for a traditional uh, enterprise CRM. Yeah, and, and I think also, Troy, to your point, right, we look at the factors of two to three times the cost of the CRM subscription and professional services. You mentioned that earlier. That's, that's right. IBM recently uh, purchased Blue Wolf, which is the largest uh, systems integrator for, for Salesforce.com's sales cloud CRM product. And what we learned is that uh, for every dollar that uh, a company, uh, especially in the logistics and transportation market, was spending to purchase a traditional CRM, they were then spending about $3 to then customize it and make it work. And frankly, a lot of times they'd spend that money and it still wouldn't work. So, so this is $75 flat fee per month, as few as five users, Correct. out the door with functionality on day one. Now, before we go, can you uh, give the audience uh, some parting advice? Uh, maybe from something that you've learned in the field or some observations? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good point. So I think if we look back over the last uh, last few years, CRM's become a dirty three-letter word, right? <laughs> um, a, a lot of commercial leaders don't like to talk about it. There's a, a bit of a history and, and, a, and, a, and a mortgage there, so to speak. But if you take a minute and look at how differently we're using data in our lives, right? We use data in Instagram. We use data uh, to text message pictures from the weekend, right? All of those are examples of, of really creative, innovative ways in which we're redefining how we engage with each other inside and outside the office. And, and at Linetics, I think we've been very much focused on redefining the ways in which business users in the logistics and transportation industry can use data to do their jobs more effectively. So I would say that my advice is to, to be open to user engagement, to be willing to look again at, at categories that have new innovation, and to, uh, to join us on this journey of, of building even better, more powerful digital capabilities, uh, because now, as, as Troy highlighted, is the time to, to be investing in that area of the business. Data is the new oil, and uh, we welcome the opportunity to help the, the industry build new pumps and <laughs> deliver more insights faster than they, than they could ever dream. Sounds good. Now, where can our audience go to learn more about Linetics and, and Alex Road Freight? Absolutely. You can visit us at our website, www.lanetix, L-A-N-E-T-I-X.com, like Lane Ticks. <laughs> we say Lanetics. <laughs> if you know how to pronounce it, you're in the club. <laughs> you can also visit us on Twitter. Our handle is at Lanetics. Excellent. John Globe, Troy Good from Lanetics, thank you so much for taking some time out and uh, best of luck with Alex Road Freight. Great. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having us. Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash get il. That's bit.ly 
L-Y slash get underscore I-L and stay ahead of the 3PL game. <laughs>